We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Pacer Nation, we are back and we are joined by Alex Golden himself, the man taking a break from Disney to recap uh, the Pacers' first game against the Hornets. Alex, nice to have you back. Yeah, thanks, Fachi. It's a uh, it's been a fun time so far down here in Disney. I definitely have enjoyed a Pacers win on vacation to start the season off. But although we lost a nail biter, a tough loss, I'm excited about what I saw tonight, and I think this Pacers team found themselves something special in their young rookie Chris Duarte. Absolutely. Look, guys, the sky is not falling. It's not the outcome we wanted, but 123 to 122. Unfortunately, the, the Charlotte Hornets win this one. The story of the night, I, I feel like on both sides, has to be the play of Chris Duarte. Chris Duarte was unbelievable. This is not your average rookie. Alex, he was the first Pacer rookie to start on opening night since Jamal Tinsley in 2001. Well, before the, the Pacers' record uh, for most points by a rookie in their first start, 16. Duarte gives you 27 points on 9 of 15 shooting. He goes 6 of 9 from 3. The man looked anything but a rookie tonight. No, he looked incredible, Flachi. And what I love the most about him is that he never once seemed afraid of the big moment, hitting you know buzzer-beating shots at the end of the first quarter, hitting some big shots there in the fourth quarter to get the lead back up. So I just really was impressed with Chris Duarte. I know we had some nice hot takes on Twitter as well, just having some fun with it. But what we saw from Duarte tonight was something we've never seen from any other rookie, like we said, in Pacers franchise history. So big time game for him, and he's going to really help this team going forward. Ice in his veins, the, the man never backed down, never shied away, even commented after the game that the Charlotte crowd, it was nuts, and he was feeding off of it. He's not afraid of the big moment. And like I said, the guy looked anything but a rookie. He looked like a veteran tonight. 27 points. I mean, people joked around. They said, hey, Duarte for Rookie of the Year. And, like, people got a good laugh at it. It was great for a a like or a retweet. After he dropped 27 points, it's no longer a joke. Chris Duarte has arrived. The Chris Duarte era is upon us. As we speak, he finishes the game with a plus 7, leading all Indiana Pacers tonight. Would you have been surprised, Fauci, if I told you that Chris Duarte would outscore his age in his first game in the NBA? <laughs> I would say, now that sounds like a hot take right there. I'd say, <laughs> you know, that must have been quite the dream you had, but instead it was reality tonight. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I mean, he looked really good. I think Brogdon looked really well. I mean, 
especially in that fourth quarter, Brogdon had some nice moments there. Went nine of nine from the free throw line, 28 points, 11 assists. Really great game from him. But I think the other pace we really need to hit on here is DeMontis Sabonis. Another monster game from Domas. I was a little disappointed with the turnovers and the assist being down and in the assist ratio, uh, turnover to assist ratio, uh, a little too high for me in terms of way too many turnovers for Sabonis. I believe he had six and just two assists. So you want to see those flipped, but you really can't complain when a guy puts up 33 points and grabs down 15 rebounds. He was a monster. The Hornets had absolutely zero answer for him. I was impressed with just how much they went to him and how much he dominated that Hornets team. Like a true bully in the school in the schoolyard, Sabonis was just taking it to him in the first quarter. Goes 6 of 6, 14 points. I mean, really set the tone early. His 15 rebounds were huge. But Alex, we didn't even mention his three-point stroke. Four of six tonight <laughs> from three. This was something where I, I had to, I mean, I know it was getting a little late. You know, I'm usually in bed a little bit earlier when the Pacers aren't playing, but I was not dreaming. I was not sleeping. So bonus really went four of six from three. A couple of years ago, he went five of 12 from three in the full season. Well, four of six from three, it was unbelievable to see tonight. I hope that that is a thing that we can see more of because, you know, it, it was great. It, it really was. Whenever he had a wide-open look, loves it from the top of the key, straight on. That is really where he feels comfortable. And, uh, I, I look, it was a rough third quarter for just about everybody in a Pacer jersey. They only scored 13 points after scoring 38 and 37 in the first and second quarter. But when the fourth quarter rolled around, it was Sabonis, it was Duarte, it was Malcolm Brogdon. They all locked in, and they were huge to will this Pacers team back. Now, look, I know, unfortunately, I had to say will because the Pacers had a 23-point lead in the first half. But basketball is a game of runs, and uh, the Pacers, they they fought back hard. Unfortunately, just came up a bit short. Yeah, I want to touch on that three-point shooting from DeMontis Sabonis. He knocked down a big three-point shot to cut the lead to two points in the fourth quarter. And I was like, man, okay, Sabonis, he's taking that with confidence. Then he had another chance to take one, and I felt like he hesitated a little bit too much, which gave him his second miss from the three-point line tonight. And I feel like when he just catches it in stride and shoots it with confidence, it looks like a better shot. But you know how that is when you're second-guessing yourself and you don't just have that 100% confidence on what you're going to do. There's always going to be something you can critique. So I was really blown away by just the overall game of Sabonis. But we have to talk about this last play of the game, Fachi. Give the ball to Sabonis at the top of the key. I felt like I was watching the Nate Bjorkman Pacers era all over again as we were closing things out. Absolutely. I mean, I, I was about to you know, call Babin from the other room and say, I think it's time we get a bigger TV because I couldn't even see Brogdon on the screen at all. He was, <laughs> he was that far off. I mean, he must have been at least 50 feet away from the basket. I, I, I wasn't a big fan of that. Sabonis goes, he, you know, a real, takes a, a real tough turnaround. He was truly smothered. And look, it, to no surprise, it didn't go in because he didn't have a good look at it. I kind of thought to myself, Man, is that the best we were able to draw up? And Rick Carlisle took the blame afterwards. You know, he didn't need to do that, but the play was not successful, and Carlisle did take the blame there. I think the Pacers can come up with a bit better, and I look forward to seeing what Carlisle does, you know, differently at end of games with the game on the line moving forward. Yeah, I think with Carlisle, Pacers fans feel a little bit more hopeful that he'll be able to adjust to those late-game situations because last year 
Bjorkren ran that same play with Sabonis against Boston, and it worked. And then he tried it over and over and over again, and it didn't work. So I, I think with what we're seeing here with this team, the Pacers really felt like Sabonis was their guy all night. When he was off the floor, the, the Pacers didn't play well. So had to put him back on the floor because he was their best offensive player. He had a mismatch with Miles Bridges being matched up against him. But the biggest problem is when you give him the ball at the top of the key and try to you know let Sabonis dribble the ball down into the paint to try to score over Bridges, you know, Bridges is a better wing and perimeter defender than Sabonis is a dribbler at that point. So yes. I felt like it kind of just put Sabonis in a bad position, but I understand why you want the ball in your best player's hand at that point in the game. So interesting thing there, but we'll, uh, we'll accept that we didn't, you know, execute and hope that Carlisle can get us back on track. But the biggest takeaway for me, Fachi, from this game, an eight-man rotation without Oof. O'Shea said without Isaac, uh, Isaiah Jackson, and without Goga Batadze, when you already have guys like Karis Levert, Keelan Martin, and T.J. Warren out. So just a bit of a, a head-scratcher there with the minutes distribution and with the rotation. So what were your thoughts on that? I was not expecting an eight-man rotation, and I don't think anyone was. I didn't hear one person talk about how Carlisle could run an eight-man rotation you know, before this game. The, the lowest amount of minutes played was 24 minutes between TJ McConnell and Jeremy Lamb. Uh, 28 minutes for Torrey Craig. That is a Thanksgiving-sized serving of Torrey Craig. Ah, it might be a bit too much. I know the Pacers need a defense, um, but you know what? In this situation, I would have liked if the Pacers opened up the rotation a bit. O'Shea Brissett getting a did-not-play coach's decision well, I guess a lot changed from the last time we played the Hornets in the playing game when he led the Pacers in scoring with 23 points. Interesting to not see him out there. I feel like for whatever reason, Carlisle has just not been a big O'Shea Brissett guy. I hope that changes because the Pacers looked a bit gassed in the third quarter. I mean, maybe maybe halftime is what slowed them down a bit because Charlotte came out the gates hot. Charlotte outscores the Pacers 33-13. to in that third quarter, they go on a 24 nothing run. And, you know, they played a, a, a bigger rotation than the Pacers. I know just by one player, but I feel like their minutes were, were spread out. And uh, I think that this is a time that it might have been very beneficial to get a guy like O'Shea Brissett in there, even if it's just for 10 minutes. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're wanting to shoot as many threes as the Pacers shot tonight. Ooh. Knowing that O'Shea Brissett shot incredibly well from three-point lane last year. So he also provides a bigger body. I think we've talked about him being like one of the only true power forwards on this roster. I mean, tonight they were playing Torrey Craig at that position, which I understand why Torrey Craig's a veteran. They brought him in here for defensive purposes. And going up against Charlotte, you know Gordon Hayward went healthy. He's a really, really good basketball player. So I was, you know, okay with Torrey Craig getting those minutes to try to guard Gordon Hayward, even though he didn't really have much of a chance because Hayward was just hitting everything in that fourth quarter, it felt like. But when it comes to O'Shea Brissett, Isaiah Jackson, I felt like the Isaiah Jackson stuff was a lot of training camp hype, preseason hype. I never really believed that he was going to be super impactful right away. I thought maybe they'd give him a little bit of run off the bench, but I saw a lot in preseason that was questionable. Like You saw a lot of his flaws, I guess you could say, as well as some of his upsides. So um, I wasn't surprised he didn't play a ton. I thought he might get in there a little bit. But yeah, O'Shea Brissett, he just seems lost in the rotation. A bit frustrating for Pacer fans if you really enjoyed what you saw from O'Shea last year because I really feel like with all the injuries that we have, this is a guy that could and probably deserves a bit of an opportunity. But at this point, 
like you said, Carlisle, there's just something there that Carlisle's not seeing. And the one thing I've hit on when I said with O'Shea, it's just his defense. His defense is something that has to get better. That's one thing Carlisle continues to hit on. So maybe that's what it is exactly. He doesn't believe in O'Shea's defense. And honestly, they really don't need much more offense. I mean, I guess they could always use more offense. But at this point, he's really trying to fix the defense. But then again, he's playing Jeremy Lamb 24 minutes in closing games. So what do I know, right? But just a, just a bit there of a, a question mark with everything going on right now. Uh, definitely, definitely a question mark. Look, Isaiah Jackson did look like a rookie at times in preseason. I thought he looked. There was the highs, there was the lows. There really wasn't many lows, but it was understandable to say, yeah, he, he's he's a promising rookie. Chris Duarte did not look like a rookie in any way, shape, or form tonight. But you know what? Now I wonder when you bring in Karis Levert, you're going to need to take some minutes away. I mean, is Duarte still going to be giving you 33 minutes like he played tonight? I liked what I saw tonight, and I hope so. Those minutes need to come from other places. I think Torrey Craig will lose some of those minutes. I think Jeremy Lamb will definitely lose some of those minutes. Lamb, I know he finished as a plus five tonight, and he was in there at the end, which I thought was a little questionable. He did have two blocks, nearly had a very clutch steal towards the end of the game, but one of nine shooting. Look, ah, you mentioned a bit about three-point shooting. Alex, the Pacers got up 47 threes tonight. That is more than I would have ever expected <laughs> in regulation, a regulation game. So, I mean, we thought the Pacers, you know, would shoot more threes this year. I guess I'm showing my age because that's the direction the NBA is moving in. The Pacers still shot 36% when you're putting up 47 threes. I mean, it's really not that bad at all. You'll take that 17 made threes tonight. Um, but it's just some of the guys like Brogdon was 3 of 10 from 3. Justin Holiday, one of seven. You know, Jeremy Lamb, one of six. Torrey Craig, one of four. So I look forward to being able to get more capable three-point shooters like Karis LeVert, like TJ Warren, back in the lineup if we're going to be shooting these many threes. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I know Karis LeVert's not like a great three-point shooter, but we saw him start to take more of those last year towards the end of the regular season. TJ Warren was on fire in the bubble from three. And unfortunately, with his foot injury, we're just really not sure when he's going to come back and what he's going to look like because it's, uh, I mean, I saw there was a picture that Karis LeVert put on his Instagram today. T.J. Warren was putting up shots in, in, in Charlotte, but he had the boot on still. So it, it just seems like T.J. is going to be a bit away from when he comes back. And so, you know, you do lose Doug McDermott. That's a big three-point shooter that you had on this team. Trying to patch that up with uh, Torrey Craig and hopefully Jeremy Lamb, it's like uh, – not necessarily the two guys that you want, but I think one thing you should be optimistic about is even though Jeremy Lamb was one of nine tonight, he was still positive in terms of plus minus and what the lineups he was with. There are some things that Jeremy Lamb clearly needs to work on, I guess you could say, or he has flaws to his game. But one thing that made me feel better was thinking to myself, even if we don't have Warren, hopefully in a couple of weeks, the person out there closing these games will be Karis LeVert and not Jeremy Lamb. That's no knock on Jeremy, but it's just – Remind you got to be reminded of how good Karis Levert was and how good he can be going forward, especially once he comes back from this injury. Karis Levert closed a few a few games last year. He showed clutchness, so I look forward to getting him back out there. I think he would have been huge to have in the third quarter when the Pacers just couldn't buy a bucket. I mean, thirteen points in the quarter. I mean, it was I think through uh, up until the seven minute mark. The Pacers had 21 points from the third quarter to the seven-minute mark of the fourth quarter. It was a drought before they turned it on. I mean, uh, they, the Pacers had a 23-point lead. Everything was great. And then next thing you know, they were down 10 
A 24-0 run happened by Charlotte. The Pacers were down 10. I couldn't believe it. They fought all the way back to take the lead. Uh, you know, it was a game that had a little bit of everything. It was a fight. I thought that was a great first test to at least humble the Pacers and let them know, hey, guys, everything's going to be a battle this year. Like, everything. You're going to have to fight for every single thing. And I think we did see some positive things. Torrey Craig hit two very big free throws at the end of the game to take the lead. I thought that was huge. If the Pacers get a loose ball following Gordon Hayward make, they they shoot free throws again, they probably close this one out. And then one thing mm-hmm. I complained about forever, the rebounding battle, the Pacers won that battle tonight. They had 51 rebounds. In the first half, they were crushing Charlotte on the boards. But Alex, I think one of the big things that we didn't touch on, the turnovers. 17 turnovers for the Pacers to just 8 by Charlotte. That's a major difference. Charlotte protected the ball in the second half, and the Pacers did not. Yeah, and that's the reason Charlotte got back in the game and, and eventually took the lead, right? Mm-hmm. It's just one of those things where the Pacers got sloppy with the basketball. Sometimes when you get such a big lead like that going into halftime, you can get a little bit little bit complacent, little, be a little bit content with what just happened, kind of feeling yourself a little bit like, hey, we just played really great, so let's just go out there and finish this up and, and go home. But I – was uh, I was a little bit disappointed with just the way that the Pacers struggled offensively so much, and once again, the third quarter, an ongoing thing for the Pacers. They just can't figure it out no matter who their coach is. Always seem to be coming out flat during that period of time, and it's, I think if you look at it, it's really just the roster makeup. So maybe it's a mental thing for these guys they have to get over, but I think one thing that Pacer fans can at least be hopeful for is just the entire coaching staff that is here compared to the last year at least. I, won't, I don't want to knock McMillan's coaching staff because I thought they were a really good coaching staff but compared to last year's coaching staff I feel like they can write this ship and you have to remember like we can keep talking about it but you've got like three to four players already out with injuries and two of them are significant parts of your team and your success and then you mentioned it not good shooting nights from Holiday or Jeremy Lamb if either of them can just maybe knock down one more shot this game goes a completely different way and I know it sounds silly to say that but they shot incredibly horrible from the field and those are guys that were kind of getting good looks so we know Jeremy Lamb was coming or not Jeremy Lamb excuse me Justin Holiday was coming off that ankle injury so hopefully after this game and maybe some more uh, reps he'll get him his legs back under him but yeah Jeremy Lamb just a big loss there we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, yeah, I mean, with Lamb, one of nine, one of six from, from three, I mean, that's obviously really tough. Like you mentioned, if one shot goes differently, the Pacers could win this game. Justin Holiday, I want to tip my hat for Holiday, man. He is tough. It didn't seem that he was going to play. It About a week ago, they said, quote, he will miss some time. Well, Justin Holiday does not miss games. He does what he can to get on the court with his teammates, and I respect that. That ankle, that foot was obviously bothering him. Still puts up 11 points, 7 boards, 4 assists, does not turn the ball over. Look, it's it wasn't uh, he got off to a hot start. He basically he had 9 points and I believe it was 6 rebounds at halftime. So, second half it, it was it was a bit tough for him, but just having him out there was huge. If you didn't have Holiday out there and you didn't have Warren and you didn't have Lavert, and I understand Keelan Martin wasn't out there either. You already lost Edmund Sumner. You'd be rolling out essentially half a team. And this Pacers team fought, and they fought, and they came up just short. But, Alex, I saw a lot of positives. I saw Brogdon kind of struggle in that first half to really put it all together in that fourth quarter. Finishes with 28-11 and 11 and just one turnover. I thought 9-9 nine of nine for the free throw line. I mean, Brogdon was someone that willed this team back towards the end. Chris Duarte, we witnessed a special performance tonight by Chris Duarte something that we can all be extremely hopeful for it's not like he came out there and had five points and we went and eh, maybe it was just summer league and preseason nope the Duarte era is upon us he has arrived he exploded through the gates and look I'm not going to say we can expect 27 a night but it might be realistic to say what if this guy can give us 15 a night and he's been real smooth out there on the court so anything could happen from a, a shooting percentage wise but this guy looks comfortable with the ball in his hands. Yeah, and I think when Karis LeVert does come back, I think Duarte, so far, obviously it's just one game, but even what we've seen through preseason and stuff like that, I would feel much better with him being the fifth starter until T.J. Warren's healthy. And then when Warren comes back, you have that conversation. Like, Duarte has to earn that spot. There's no doubt about it. But I think after the nice performance, he's already got a couple steps ahead of Justin Holiday, And we know yes. Justin Holiday is a good basketball player, but I feel like he is a much better role player where you're still tapping into the potential of what Chris Duarte might become. We know what Justin Holiday is. So to me, I want to give Chris Duarte as many reps as possible. And just seeing the way that Duarte was taking these big shots during the game, like it didn't matter to him that the game was as close as it was. He just took them in stride and took them in confidence. And he did have a travel late in the game. Got his feet a little bit happy. That's part of being a rookie. But I, I think overall, like the Hornets broadcast that I was listening to here in, in Florida, 
they were very impressed with what they saw from Chris Duarte, and they were like, man, he's killing us tonight. So I think that Duarte, if he continues to play at this level, maybe a little bit lower than just you know this spectacular season debut, but I just think if he can continue to play at a high level, he's going to take the league. The league's going to be on notice that Chris Duarte is a problem, and the Pacers are really happy to have him. I don't think Pacer fans anticipated him to be this good this early, but here we are, Chris Duarte. Like I think we're all on the train right now, the hype train for Chris Duarte, because quite frankly, it was him and Sabonis, the only two that were keeping us afloat in this game until Brogdon woke up late in the fourth quarter. I mean, really, if you think about it, Chris Duarte might have been the most impressive player in tonight's ballgame, even though Sabonis had 33-15. and 15. I think he was because, I mean, you even look at it like on the on the Hornets' side of things. LaMelo Ball finishes with 31-9-7. and seven. I mean, he was really good, but I felt like come the fourth quarter, I, I thought the Pacers responded much better to him. Duarte, I mean, he... He really just, and this is a guy who also left in the second quarter. He had a, he had a, an ankle injury. The trainers were looking at him. I thought to myself, you got to give us one guy at some point who's just going to work out and be ours, and we're going to get excited about. And I think it could be this guy. I mean, Chris Duarte at this point, I mean, 24 years old seems like one of his best advantages. He's he's ready. He's mature. And I feel like right now, I, just what we saw tonight, it just pumps a lot of hope into into the Pacers, into everybody, into the national media, I feel like can look and say, wow, wait a minute. Like, I, I mean, I looked at another box scores, guys like Jalen Green, you know, really struggled tonight. Uh, others, guys that will be very, very good. Chris Duarte at pick 13, this looks like a home run for what we saw tonight. And I couldn't have been more excited over here. And I, I, I think when you mentioned over here, how are you going to take him out of the, of the starting lineup at this point? I mean, he played yeah. so, so good tonight that when Levert comes back, I think you have to shift Justin Holiday to the bench. And here's the, here's my one question, though. That bench unit was really rough tonight. Really rough. 14 combined points. The field goal percentage, it, it, it was disgusting. I mean, they were uh, it, was, it was 5 of 20. So if you move Justin Holiday to the bench, are you nervous for who could most likely be that scorer? Or do you still stand by it as, hey, Duarte is the fifth option, it's just better. I think I stand by that. You got to start Duarte, but it doesn't mean that you can't change your substitution mm-hmm. uh, patterns or whatever. You know what I mean? Like yeah, of we saw, we saw plenty of times where some bonuses out there with the second unit when McMillan was coaching and how successful those units were, even though Sabonis was a starter. I, I feel like with Turner playing with that second unit and then McConnell out there with Craig and Jeremy Lamb. There's just not a lot of create. There's not a lot of creation out there. Not a lot of guys that can really do much for you offensively. Like you're hoping Jeremy Lamb can do something. McConnell is a playmaker, so to say. But if he's not shooting the shots that he shot last year, that little floater in the paint, and he's trying to shoot more threes, then that's a problem. But I do think that Torrey Craig is not an offensive gifted player. He might knock down a three or have a good cut every once in a while, but he's not someone you rely on to get you that. So maybe there's a way you place a bonus more at the second unit. Him and Justin Holiday have good chemistry. We know that Justin has been a pretty productive three-point shooter, so I can understand why you make the case for maybe you do start him over Duarte because Duarte can give you more. But to me, I don't want to put too much pressure on Duarte to carry the entire load off the bench right away because, quite frankly, like that has to come down to Carlisle figuring out a way to get these guys more involved on the offensive end. But 
yeah, I mean, the bench, clearly, it's just like it's a bit depleted right now. And I, I just I was a little bit blown away by the eight man rotation just because I felt like you could have benefited at least from the offensive of Shea Brissett. And maybe that is what it takes to get him back into the rotation is just seeing, hey, like our offense is really struggling when we don't have some of our starters out there, especially with how shorthanded we are right now. So it's just like, yeah, you know, the Pacers, though, their bench isn't the one that gave that lead. It was their starting unit that gave that lead in the third quarter. And I think that's the bigger issue here. They have to build off that. They can't be happy. Like, fans can be happy that they saw a good game, but the Pacer players should not be happy whatsoever that they gave up a 20-point lead to to a Hornets team. That That's really good, but it's just, it's just to me, like, that to me, the Pacer fans are validated by being happy with tonight's game, but the Pacer players should not be validated by having a, a close game despite all of the injuries and stuff like that. Like, we're making excuses for them. But they can't if they really want to be a competitive playoff team. Ah, there's nowhere around it. This loss stung. It did sting from the Hornets. <laughs> I mean, hey, late night puns over here. But you know Ugh. what? I know you missed it. I know you missed it while you were gone at Disney. But, I mean, oof, this is not the kind of loss that you want to start off your season. But things would have been a lot worse if the Pacers just came out there, had a 23-point lead, and ended up getting smacked by 15 or more. They fought back. I saw fight. So, Karis LeVert, a guy who, you know, had a career year last year, I'm welcoming him back with beyond open arms. So, hey, Karis, come back soon. Uh, I think that over here, you know, one thing I want to touch on, I saw Carlisle did stagger the minutes for the bigs pretty decently. Sabonis and Turner, I mean, Sabonis ended up playing significantly more minutes, though, 39 minutes to Turner's 26. Uh, I think, you know, Turner really didn't get too much time in the, in the fourth or at least to close it. I would say, um, but I thought that, uh, you know, four block shots. Look, in the first half, he had three block shots. Maybe it was even four in the first half. I think it was three. But regardless, he asserted himself early on, letting you know he is the best shot blocker in the NBA. Just it's unfortunate from a standpoint of Turner and Holiday, you know, this, their second halves were far different from their first. Turner finishes with uh, nine and seven and four blocks. But However, in the first half, you know, he had seven points and five boards while Justin Holiday had nine and six. So those were two guys that I felt like if we can get a little bit more out of in the second half, Pacers are going to be a more well-rounded team. We talked about it. It really came down to what tonight was our big three of Sabonis, Brogdon, and Duarte. And you can't really expect that uh, on a nightly basis because, I mean, let me do the math real quick. Let's see. That's uh, 88 points out of the three of those players. I That is a lot. Now, I know teams are scoring a lot these days. We cannot expect 88, 88 points out of Sabonis, Brogdon, and Duarte on a nightly basis. Yeah, like you can maybe expect it if you have Levert in there. You know what I'm saying? But, like, asking a rookie to, to put this kind of production up every night is just not realistic unless he is, like, the next greatest thing that we don't know that we have. And so based on Pacers' Twitter, that might be the case. I mean, I was joking around when I said Christopher Richie Miller Duarte after he had back-to-back threes to make the game tied or gave us the lead there in the fourth quarter. And I'm like, okay, people, I'm not really saying he's Reggie Miller. I'm just saying the fact that this kid's knocking down these tough shots in the clutch reminds me of one, the one and only Mr. Reggie Miller. So, yeah, I get what you're saying, Foch. And, and Holiday and Turner, they have to be better. You know, Turner, when he came in in that fourth quarter, when Sabonis went to the bench to catch a little bit of a break, he struggled. He had a moving screen to start the fourth quarter, had a couple bad turnovers there. And Duarte had a turnover, like I mentioned earlier, too. So 
it was like they needed that stability on the offensive end, and that's what I think as much as we want to worry about the defense without Sabonis, really this offense isn't super great, especially without Warren and Lavert. You need Sabonis to play as many minutes as he did tonight, which I'm sure if we continue to see these high of minutes, we're going to have a lot of Pacers Twitter conversation about minutes again. But, you know, that, that to me is what it all came down to. It's like offensively, you only had one guy that was being, you know, super consistent, getting everybody involved, and that was Sabonis, where I still feel like Duarte was getting his points and that kind of thing. It wasn't necessarily his doing of getting others involved like Sabonis does with screening and that kind of thing. Sabonis had to play 39 minutes. There's no way around it. When he had it going, the Hornets had no answer for him. I mean, his first half was absolutely dominant. Like I mentioned, everybody had a bad third quarter. But in the fourth quarter, he really turned it on. I mean, him and Brogdon, Duarte in the fourth quarter, I mean, it they might have scored just about every basket. I know Torrey Craig had two free throws. Uh, you know, Jeremy Lamb ha- only having one make. I believe that was earlier in the game. So I know Miles Turner's uh, only second half basket was in the third quarter. I believe the same with Justin Holiday. So those three might have really been the only guys that scored outside of those Torrey Craig free throws. Uh, you know, look, Torrey Craig, clutch free throws at the end. I was a little nervous. I didn't know, you know, I haven't seen him on the line too much. So I didn't know if he was going to go one of two or not. But in the end, if the Pacers could have corralled just a, a loose ball at the end, things could have been very different. But that, that sometimes that's how it goes. This is a great fight to know that early on things are not going to come easy. I do think the fact that the play that Carlisle drew up afterwards didn't work and he took the blame, they're going to know, hey, we saw a lot today that was positive and we saw some things that we could do differently. Pacers had 29 assists. That's typically the measuring stick of a successful game. You get around 30 assists, chances are you're going to win that game. But a big difference is if you're going to have 17 turnovers, you better force just about as many turnovers. And unfortunately, the Pacers only forced eight. That is a major difference in a game like this when it's decided by one point. No, you're completely right, Fachi. And that's the that's the biggest thing that I was worried about was just, you know, how are we going to figure out a way to overcome these late-game situations with our current roster because it just felt like what we ran there at the end, like I said, it was predictable. So we've hit on a lot tonight, like you said. A lot of good to take away, a lot of bad to take away. I'm probably rambling because I know when I get a little bit sleepy, I ramble. So um, late night in, in uh, Florida, like you said. But I think we've pretty much covered this episode, and I'm looking forward to seeing what the Pacers do in the next few games and how they go toe-to-toe with some of these teams that are going to be a little bit tougher here in the Eastern Conference. So Fachi, where can people find us at on social media? So you could find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You could find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I could be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You could find us on Instagram at PacersTalk. You could find us on Facebook at SettingThePace. And you could find us on TikTok at SettingThePace. And if you're a fan of what you saw tonight from DeMontis Sabonis and rookie Chris Duarte, scream these three words. Let's go Pacers! The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. 
Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.